message that Jesus brought, greatness was really inherent in Jesus' message. I believe He wants you to be great. He wants us to grow, to become great people. Not talking about your waistline here, by the way, but greatness. He wants you to become awesome because in, in another, at another level, you're already great. You're already awesome. And that's what I want to really talk about this morning to get into that a little bit. But before I do, just firstly, a few thoughts about marriage. Um, before we get to this, someone said that, that marriage is a workshop where husbands work and wives shop. Yeah, that, that might be more applicable to some of you. That's a dad joke, that one, okay? okay. Did it qualify, Steve? Okay, okay. So, so here's one. A good wife, these are a bit deeper. A good wife always forgives her husband when she is wrong. Can that happen? That could, that could actually happen. Um, marriage is a relationship where one person is always right and the other is the husband. Is that true? <laughs> Some of you will appreciate that. One day, my wife's credit card was stolen. What a relief to find that the thief spent less than my wife. So, okay, last one. My wife and I have a perfect understanding. I don't try to run her life, and I don't try to run mine. <laughs> I reckon that's pretty good. I like that one. Okay. So we're going to talk about men and women and relationships a little bit today. But the first thing is this, that God made you to be special. God made you to be unique, to be amazing in His presence. And I just, um, I love this thought. And I guess it's been central to my thinking for, for, for years. But um, it's so important today that we talk about this because, friends, the truth is that masculinity as a concept and femininity as a concept are both seriously under threat today. You probably already know this. There might not be anything new in what I share, but we need to say it. It's important we say it because it is true. It is under threat today. And increasingly, there are a lot of loud voices, strident voices, very convincing sounding voices out there in our society telling us all that you can be whatever you want to be and no one can tell you any different. In fact, it even gets worse the people who try to tell you different are liable to go to jail, as we'll see in a few moments. And I think that what I'm sharing with you this morning, I'm probably not likely to go to jail for it. Uh, however, it's also, it is likely within about six months, if the laws currently before our federal parliament are passed, that what I'm saying this morning might be blocked on social media. It'll be deemed to be disinformation or misinformation. So you can make up your own mind. I believe that what I'm sharing is true. And because that's actually straight out of God's word. So uh, it is true. I'm telling you, it's true today. Why does it matter? This matters because confusion is rife on this subject today. A writer around the world on this subject of gender and being what, whether you're going to be what God made you to be or what you would like to be. It's really important. And here's the thing, friends. God is never the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. In fact, the Bible tells us in James chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. 
For where envy, this is the part, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Whenever you see a lot of confusion, you're not, God is not there. That's not what God is doing. God is not doing that. God is very clear in his word about this. So uh, if someone, I, I, I want to say this this morning, friends, if someone is confused about their gender, which should be the deepest and the most basic and the most significant part of who you are as a person, if someone is confused about their gender, that means that they are bound to be confused about other areas of their life as well. So let's be clear about this. God is not confused about this. But what God says, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, when God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them human. And I I love that. God calls you human, and he's blessing you uh, in the way he made you. So here's the thing. I was thinking about this this week, and um, about this little phrase, your chromosomes don't lie. Now, I put it up there as a, as a title. Your chromosomes don't lie because that's the way you were born. Now, I thought I'm going to do a bit of research. I typed that phrase in to my computer. And I was a bit shocked, actually, because I unleashed an avalanche of invective, a tirade of abuse, a, uh, an absolute... Uh, maelstrom of um, people saying, how dare anyone say this? How dare you say that? And, and basically the argument which came up over and over again, and I read quite a lot of comments about this, was the argument was this sort of statement just proves that people who are re- religiously bigoted, religious bigots say that, and they're demonstrating their high school biology and they don't really know anything of what they're talking about. And I read many of these comments saying the same thing. And I thought, oh, oh, man, this is, that's quite surprising. Then I went back and had another look at the comments. And I noticed that not one of them, none of them, were comments made by people with real meaningful qualifications or experience. But they were people who were articulate who were passionate, who could mount a cogent argument in, against this statement, but without real experience or qualifications in this field. I don't doubt they had some experience of their own life, but not real uh, qualifications in this field. So I began to look a bit further, and uh, I saw this came up. Uh, in a moment, we're going to watch this little video. Um, this guy is Professor John Whitehall, who's the Foundation Chair of Pediatrics and Child Health at Western Sydney School University School of Medicine. And he's talking about the current state of the law in Australia and how that uh, health professionals, if they wanted to try and uh, stop a child, for example, who wanted to transition to a different gender, they do so at the threat of being put in jail for 18 months. That's what he's really talking about here. And so basically the law will support you whatever you want to be even if it do not even if that goes completely against your basic chromosome identity and let's listen to what uh, professor john whitehall has to say your chromosomes don't lie now um, i'm going to just share a couple of things that are further on in this video 
Uh, and I've sent the link up to our WhatsApp if you want to if you want to uh, follow it through and read. It's about a 16-minute video. Um, but I want to share a few other things that Professor Whitehall mentions, and uh, I'm going to just indulge for a moment in some shameless name dropping here. Um, however, uh, it's important that we find out what. Uh, professionals in the field who are deeply involved in research and who actually know what they're talking about, not the loudest voices. And I say this, friends, it's important because you don't want your vision and your values and your mission as a person to be formed or framed by the loudest voices in the room or the loudest people around you. There are a lot of very, very passionate people who speak on this subject, but they may not know what they're talking about. I'm going to just share a bit more on what um, uh, Professor Whitehall says later on this video. And he's talking about effects on the brain. Uh, these are studies done uh, recently, and these, all this information is freely available on the web. And uh, he quotes Dr. Halshoff Pohl, who is a professor of social and behavioral sciences and chair of neuroscience at Utrecht University in the Netherlands. This is a lady who knows what she's talking about and has done many MRI studies of people who want to transition or have transitioned their gender. This is what she says. Adult males given cross-sex hormones, we're talking estrogen here, their brain shrinks at a rate 10 times faster than aging. Than your, your brain shrinks as you age. Now, I'm not going to ask any older people here to put up their hand, see if you know what I'm talking about here, but it is true. Ask me. I can tell you, your brain shrinks as you age. But people who aren't happy with their gender and would like to change it, males who are adults and given cross-sex hormones, uh, after as little as four months, MRI studies before and after have shown their brain shrinking 10 times faster than it normally would. That's a worry. That's a problem. Females, given cross-sex hormones, who would like to be male, uh, their brain enlarges. Now, ladies, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean you get smarter. It's actually called hypertrophy. It's actually a pathological condition. So you don't, you don't want this. This is not healthy. It's not helping you. Okay. So there is... Here's the, here's the next point. The next point that he makes, Whitehall makes. There is... No evidence to prove that gender reassignment procedures make anyone happier. Now, of course, this is the reason why it's undertaken, because people are so depressed, so they feel so bad about themselves, they say, oh no, well, they get told, actually. Someone told them, you're in the wrong body. That's your problem. The real you needs to be let out. You're in the wrong body. So they think, if I could just solve this problem and change my body, I would be happy. But there's no zero evidence to prove that gender reassignment makes anyone happier. In fact, authors from the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, which is at the forefront of this, produced an article recently in the scientific journal Pediatrics. Is this okay? okay. To say that, to, to decry the fact that there was no evidence. They were saying, why isn't there any evidence? Now, the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne is at the forefront of this gender reassignment procedure and surgery and so on and, and hormone treatment. 
but another department of the university is saying at the same time, why isn't there any evidence to support the fact that this makes people happier? Because it just doesn't. The last thing, epidemiological studies, I know that's a big word, but don't worry about it, it just means why certain diseases occur in different groups of people, say that, uh, this is all Professor Holshoff Pohl who, uh, who's quoting this, the rate of suicide in transgender adults is 20 to 30 times higher than the general population. Now that doesn't tell me that people are getting happier or more fulfilled in their life because they change their gender. Can you see what I'm saying here? The point I'm making is that God made you amazing. And I love this verse in Genesis chapter 2. It says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And so I'd, I'd like to say to you this morning, on this wonderful Father's Day, I want to say to you, friends, that whether you're a man or a woman, God made you wonderful. He made you unique. He made you special. He made you who you are. And that's amazing. That should be celebrated. You don't need to change who you are. You just need to celebrate who you are and get closer to God and let Him bring out all the wonderful qualities of who He made you to be. Second thing about this is that God made you to love and be loved. And this is really important for us to understand this. God designed every human being with an innate need and a desire to receive and to give love. It's so central to the makeup of every human being. Now, of course, what happens is that through the circumstances of life, a lot of these things get jaded and distorted, diminished, and we'll come back to that in a moment. If you're um, older than about 25 or so, you might remember on Boxing Day 2004, there was a massive earthquake. Um, in fact, a series of earthquakes. And the epicenter was off the coast of Indonesia, which is that way, I think. Um, a place called Aceh. And uh, it was one of the biggest. It was, I think, the, the third biggest earthquake the world has ever recorded or had. And, um, between 9.1 and 9.3 on the Richter scale. Scientists estimate that it actually caused this earthquake caused the, the whole earth to vibrate or as much as one centimeter. The whole earth. That's incredible, hey? And it triggered a series of devastating tsunamis across the Indian Ocean that killed more than 230,000 people. In 14 countries, and there were waves up to 30 meters high in some places. This is incredible. And if you remember that when that happened... There was a lot of, as you can imagine, media coverage about it. And uh, I remember a story seeing uh, a, a baby, and there were thousands of children were orphaned and, and during this time. But one in particular, in Arche it was, and the cameras were rolling. And this child, they were showing all these parents queuing up who wanted to claim this child, this one baby. And they were having DNA testing. And they eventually, I believe, they would have found who was the real parents of this child. But here's the point. That God, it, it, it says something about the innate, inbuilt desire in people to love someone, to love that child and care for that child. There was a cue 
about 30, I think, of parents wanted to claim that baby as theirs. It shows that God puts something like a default setting in every one of us as a, as a, as a parent, as an adult, to love uh, that, that child. And as I said before, what happens is that through the circumstances of life, that ability and desire gets diminished and it gets jaded. It can be childhood experiences that erode our healthy identity and self-awareness. It could be something in adulthood, like even things like getting fired at work or um, being overlooked for a promotion or something that's even more devastating, being dumped by someone that you love or being divorced. These are things that really cut across our emotional life and, and cause deep pain in our lives and sorrow and affect our ability to give and receive love in the future. So it's possible to end up as like a shell of your former self or of the person that God created you to be. You, you can become like a, a caricature or a, or a distortion of what God really intended you to be in life. And that's why uh, I've said it before, but in early life, it's so important that parents and mothers and fathers uh, so important that we show the appropriate affection and love to our children and help them to grow into who they are meant to be. Some people spend their whole lives trying to work out who they are, who they're meant to be to find themselves. Perhaps, perhaps you've had trouble in that way, making, you know, working out who you are because of insecurity and rejection over your lifetime. But I want to say, friends, and make it really clear today that we grow in security by experiencing the love and the warmth and affection of our fathers. Mother as well, of course, but your father is so important. And uh, it's a bit different to your, to your mother. I believe that your father is really important. So Matthew 3.16, I love this verse. It's about Jesus being baptized in water. It says, The moment that he came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up, and he saw God's Spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the Spirit, a voice, This is my Son, Jesus. The Father is saying, God the Father, saying to His Son. And we've got to understand here, friends, that you know, we talk about fatherhood and you know, what's, what's a model father. You're not going to get a better model father than God Himself. He's talking to His Son, Jesus. This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. And I particularly like that verse because where it says, marked by my love. There's something about the fact that when you are loved by your parents, or and I know this is hard to hear for some of you that may have been uh, grown up in an orphan situation yourself. I know that that's particularly hard and challenging. And, and that's why it's so important for God to come in and replace that in your life. And He can and will. And he loves it. That's why the Bible says that he places the solitary in families. God does that. But this is my son, chosen and marked by my love. You know, some people have got tattoos. I'm sure many of us here have. And, you know, tattoos, some people love them. Some, I don't know, different, different opinions. Um, I don't mind them, actually, to be quite honest. Some are really cool, <laughs> you know. But a tattoo is a mark that's theoretically for life because you can, you can change it later on if you have to. But uh, when you experience God's love in your heart and in your life, it does something to you. It marks you for life. 
And as parents, it's important we understand that we're doing something good and we're blessing our children when we love them and encourage them. The third thing, as I bring this to a close, God made you to be an influencer. God made you to be an influencer. This is a little poem, and uh, I think the author is unknown who wrote this originally. But when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the fridge, and I wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I thought it was good to be kind to animals. It's really important, this, in our day and age, to be kind to our animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake just for me, and I knew that little things are special things. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I believed there is a God I could always talk to. Really important, parents. Don't be afraid to be open about your devotional life with your family, with your kids. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight, and I felt loved. That's a good one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared and I wanted to be everything that I could be. These are examples of influence in the lives of a child by a caring parent. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says, You've heard that it was said, love your friends, hate your enemies. But now I'm Jesus speaking. He's saying this is the, this is the new covenant revelation for us all. Now I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may become the children of your Father in heaven. And when you read this, it's interesting because um, I know I've shared before, I've, I've been a student for a long time of, of you know, what, it, what does it take to become a Christian? You know, what, what, is it, what really happens when a person has this life-changing experience where they invite Jesus into their life and all of a sudden things start to change? And you know those verses. In fact, um, someone, I think, Peter, you mentioned it this morning, Romans chapter 10, where it says, you know, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, guess what? You'll be saved. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then you come back and you read a verse like this that says, well, hang on. I thought I just had to say a prayer and believe something, and then I'd. But this says, I've got to forgive my enemies. What? Forgive your enemies and pray for the people who persecute me so that you can become the children of your Father in heaven. See, the fact is, friends, there is an experience, a supernatural experience, where you open the door of your life to the kingdom of God and you become a, instantly a child of God at that moment. But here's the thing, you know, it's, it's one thing to, for, let's talk about natural families, for a child to be born into a family. That's one thing. But what about the influence of the, their parents in, in later life as they go on? Is that, is that the only thing, just being born and given that name? Is that the only thing that sets their direction in life? Of course not. All of their upbringing and all of the influence of their parents and everything that they learn as they're growing up. In the same way, it's one thing to be born again into the family of God, become a child of God. Is that all you need? No, I think there's other things beyond that. We've got to grow into you know, our inheritance in God. We're to grow into becoming the people that God wants us to become. We're to grow into those things. And so what it's really talking here about is the influence of you know, of uh, people around us, and discipling us, around us, and, you know, 
hate, um, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may become the children of your Father in heaven. I want to say this morning, friends, as we bring this to a close, I'd like our creative team to come back if they can. Fatherhood is much more than biology. I think you know that already. It's more than just biology. It's, it's about raising a child. It's about the interchange of ideas and values that happen when you spend time with someone. You spend time with someone. That's why he says, become like your father in heaven. It means take on the characteristics of your father in heaven. And, and I just think, I was thinking about this, and uh, I, I, it's, a little, it's a little bit of poetic justice here. Um, but sometimes young adults growing up, um, very determined to make their own way in life and forge their own path in life. And they say things like, well, I don't want to become like my parents. I want to become, this is what I want to become. And then, then it dawns on them after a while, actually, I'm becoming just like my parents, you know, <laughs> actually. I'm not looking at any of my children here when I say that, but um, <laughs> they've got their own experience and <laughs> moving forward. But so when, so that, so that fact, that reality, is that heredity or is that influence? Is that, is that a nature or is that nurture? Is that, you know, just being born into a family or is that the influence of that family? Well, I think we all know here this morning that it's actually both. Um, but it applies the same in, in a Christian sense that um, we are born into the kingdom of God and then... God says, now I want you to grow into that. I want you to grow into that. And this is a real challenge for fathers here today to take the time and make the time and invest the time into your own children. I'm talking about natural children here, of course, at that time. But it's also a challenge for each one of us here this morning that um, uh, if, if, you're a, if you're a young Christian, that uh, it's important to be able to grow into that area, to grow into that, um, to become like your Father in heaven. What a, what a wonderful thing. So that you may become like your Father in heaven. And I ask yourself this morning, what am I becoming? What am I becoming? I think I shared it last weekend, but I love that scripture uh, in, in the Gospels where Jesus says to his followers, come and, come and follow me and I will make you something. I'm going to make you into something incredible. He wants to change your life. He wants to make you into something and the first step for every one of us is we've got to cross over into that relationship with Jesus. We've got to cross over into the point where I know that Jesus is real in my life. I wonder can we all close our eyes just for a moment?